Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Start and end your day with the good news. The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Oh, my goodness. I do another radio show every day from my home studio. And since we're snowed in here in Colorado and the kids are off from school, I'm actually in my home studio for the good news. But then all of my people are all around. Therapist Lisa's way down south in Douglas County. Hello, Therapist Lisa. Hello. I feel like we're in the news, you know. And Should I report the weather down here? I know. It's so crazy. <laughs> and I put pillows up against my studio window because the kids are outside building a snowman and they're yelling so loud. Normally no one's up <laughs> because I get up so early to do the show. And we've got Pastor John Byrne joining us again in for Pastor Moreland yet again. Hi, John. Hey, how's it going, Angie? I'm doing well. And then Moose, explain to everybody, Producer Moose, what uh, uh, Pastor John, your buddy, said when we said, oh, we might have a snow day tomorrow. Oh, I drive a four-wheel vehicle. <laughs> no, so, look, the I men are not. in the studio. Jorge's here. Pastor John's here. I'm here. I drove into my little Buick this morning. Yeah. I actually drove a Volvo here yeah. for the oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, the Moose roads drives. are clear now. The, the ladies Moose, are like, Moose oh, it's so up. snowy. <laughs> Moose drives a Buick with, like, um, bald tires, and he doesn't care what the weather's like. He's well, still going to slide Two bald tires. I just bought two new ones, so I'm good now. <laughs> I'm halfway safe. This is so nutty. All right, we have a pretty serious topic we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about, you know, the recent events in France, uh, and when we talk about that, how we talk to our children. But in introducing that topic, Moose and I um, found this little clip and Moose, you introduce it because you think it actually sounds like a baby in his crib. By the way, this is a baby in his crib. And uh, the parents picked him up on the baby monitor that you can see now. You can actually see the baby and hear him. And he's singing a song. And I don't know if it really sounds like the song he's supposedly singing, but you, you explain, Moose. Well, as a, as a diehard Star Wars fan, I can pick it out of, you know, a, uh, a, a car that has a loose belt. It's like, oh, hey, it's playing Star Wars. But no, this baby with the video monitor being able to record it now, um, he's definitely... He's been influenced by some great person in his life who's brought in the gift, the blessing, the gracious gift of Star Wars. And, uh, you know, a little earworm got stuck in his head, and as he's trying to go to sleep, he uh, decided to share a song with the world. Oh, that's totally Star Wars. I know. I don't know how you cannot pick that out. Bum 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 ba dun dun da da. Totally. <laughs> it is pretty cute that a toddler is doing that, you know. And on the topic of kids, that kid obviously too young. And our kids go from basically Moose has got a one-year-old, and then Lisa's got teenagers. Well, up to teenagers, she's got little ones, a little one too. And then a minor six, eight, and ten. And so I want to go through. And John, how old are you? Uh, your kids, Pastor John? Sixteen and ten. Okay. All right. So quite a wide diversity here. So let's go ahead. And Therapist Lisa, we're going to start with you because yesterday the four of us shared an article about how do you talk to your kids about this. 
And then I want to go to Pastor John next, then Moose, then me, and we'll talk about our different techniques. But as a professional, Lisa, you might get approached about how to talk to kids about terrorism. And then Pastor John, you get approached by, you know, parishioners about how to talk about serious topics. So what do we tell them when they say, is it going to happen here? Are we going to die? Are they coming for us? Do they know about us? Where are they? Are they close to us? Do they live in our neighborhood? What do we tell the kids? It terrifies them if they see anything about this, and it's hard to hide it from them. You know, and it is hard because it's on TV, especially, obviously, what happened to Paris, and definitely our hearts go out to them. You know, I think it's one, definitely being honest and being available to them. So, you know, you don't want to squash their fears and their discussion, you know, because this is an outlet for them. So you definitely want to be emotionally present with them. And you also want to reassure them because even for adults, it is scary times, you know, and and the reality is everyone's saying this could and will happen to the United States. So it's we're walking on eggshells and we are living in a society right now of fear, but we don't want to stop living. And that's, and that also, once we stop living and become afraid and just hibernate, that gives these terrorists, you know, they win and we don't want that. So we just keep on reassuring the kids that, you know what, yes, this is scary what they saw, but they are safe. And maybe what things they can do in the home to make them safe, you know, and you just show them like, you, you know, we lock our doors, we close our windows at night, we maybe turn on the burglar alarm or whatever. So it's just reassuring them that in their own environment, they are safe and they are loved and they're going to be okay. You know, um, I, when I think about this, I just th- think about um, that weapon is fear. Um, that's the weapon that the terrorists use. They try to make us afraid to go places, say things, do things. And so, uh, Pastor John, uh, what's your advice? Because fear is the main component of of all of this. That's their weapon against us. Yeah, I think. I think a couple of things when you look at the world and helping even young kids begin to develop an understanding of the world that we live in is important in God's relationship to that world. You know, trusting in God, He is He is our strength. He is our rock. Um, he walks with us when things are scary, you know, to think of the Psalms. And and to remind them that God is sovereign. He's in control. He loves us and that and that He'll take care of us. And, you know, the whole childlike faith for young kids is important, and, and reassuring them, you can trust God. Um, he's a father to the fatherless. Uh, you know, as kids get older, I think, just reminding them that we live in a fallen world, but we look forward to a, a world that's not fallen, and giving them, beginning to give them that eternal perspective of, we, we're not living for this world, we're living for the next world. And so just depending on the age, you know, the younger kids might not totally grasp that, but the older kids can. And yet, kids of all ages, and, and adults for that matter, can trust in God. Uh, the one who is our Savior and the one who loves us. Oh, you guys are good. You're so much better than I am. I'm embarrassed to tell you what <laughs> what I would do. But so so let's go. We're going to go to Moose before we uh, before I get, before I fess up for my non courageous approach. Well, you know, my oldest is three, and it's you know it's still trying to protect her innocence as opposed to saying, "Hey, see, like, guess what happened in Paris?" Uh, no, like she knows that there's bad men in the world. I mean, 
<laughs> kind of come f full circle, but we kind of had a good talk um, after the, I introduced her to Star Wars. And, you know, she loved the music and trying to show her that the Darth Vader was the bad man. And we talked about how we keep our, our house safe. We lock the doors, as therapist Lisa was saying. We close the blinds to keep us safe. And there's things in our life like car seats and the locks that keep us safe and that mommy and daddy will always keep her safe because there are um bad things out there there are accidents out there but mommy and daddy are there to keep her safe and so we always talk about safety and talk about how there could be bad people out there and she had a good experience um at the beginning of summer on how daddy is there to protect her because we were walking across the crosswalk from the parking lot into the grocery store and she didn't want to hold my hand and she ripped her hand away from mine and jumped into traffic and there was a car at a stop sign that didn't see the stop sign and kept plowing through and so oh. i threw myself between her and the car and then shouted her name and knocked her down into a bear hug so if the car did approach it would have hit me first but it freaked her out just because there was loud and screaming and tackling but then afterwards we discussed how daddy is there to keep her safe and that sometimes does get scary but daddy will be there to help oh my goodness i hope you're with me anytime a car comes rolling towards <laughs> me because i would hope you'd knock me to the ground and take the brunt of the hit yeah oh my goodness yeah me All too right, well. moose <laughs> Well, I love the age appropriateness of, you know, the way that you describe it, Moose, and I know that you and Sayla have great communication between each other. <sighs> okay, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm an avoider, and so I just kind of have not let them see the news. <laughs> I let them play Legos in the other room. When they came in and I was watching 60 Minutes or 2020, if they caught wind of anything going on, I changed the channel because I just feel like it's so fearful for them right now, and it's really it's a very hard concept to explain hate. And when Riley has asked me, my 10-year-old, about it, I said that they have a lot of hate in their hearts and that, they, that the, the, the love that we try to show others, the being kind to others, that, that they don't have that. And it's hard for me to explain the hate to him and that kind of violence as well. And a couple of times recently that I did try to do the whole protection thing, Moose, like you did. Mm -hmm. um, my husband was out of town, and so I decided, well, no one's going to try to get into the house with me and Grandma and the kids if we have lights on. So I went in the living room and turned on the light and turned on a light in their room and then, like, you know, one other in the house. So it looked like, I mean, it looked like a, a state penitentiary, you know, with all the lights <laughs> on if you drove up, you know. And so, and then we leave, like, a car in the driveway so nobody, you know, uh, thinks that the house is empty. So anyway, uh, then my husband came home and the next night Hope's like, well, can't we leave our lights on again so no one comes in and gets me? And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, my goodness, just me saying let's leave on lights because Dad's gone to make it look like, you know, people are up and home. Um, it kind of freaked her out a little bit. And she won't even go into a body of water because she saw a movie on sharks once because she thinks <laughs> the bathtub has sharks, the lake has sharks, the puddle has sharks, a pond, you know. Mm -hmm. So they kind of take it over the top. And I have to say that this whole um, concept of fear, I believe that I let them, in, terrorists, influence me with fear because I've only gone to one movie since the Aurora Theater shooting. And, you know, our station, Moose, it's within miles. It's not far at all from right. the Aurora Theater. The so, um, you know, and the, and the first time I did go, and, um, and Moose knew people who were in the theater, a lot of people from Calvary Aurora, um, a church that I attended um, on many occasions, uh, were in the, in the theater that night. And so a lot of people, you know, we know people, we've interviewed people on the show who were there that night. So I've been to a movie once since then. And when I went back, I, I, I was like looking at the exits and like, where would I go? And I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. 
But now Star Wars is asking people not to wear masks or carry mm-hmm. sabers and things when, uh, you know, to the movie. And so I feel like now um, NFL has extra security. Do you wonder about going to an amusement park? Do you stay away from big venues on, you know, I remember 4th of July, there was some kind of alleged threat and we avoided a big venue. And, and so I do believe that I allow them to somewhat control me through fear and being on the radio um, especially with my national show, um, not so much this Christian show. With my Christian show, I feel really comfortable to voice my opinions. On my national show, I'm really careful because I feel like I don't want my family targeted. Hmm. Well, well the- you know what? And it is scary times, and let's be honest, living in a free society creates this, right? But that's, that's the joy of living in a free society. So you're 100% right, Andy, in the fact that, you know, we can't, have security around us at all times around, you know, you just go to the mall and not to make you scared or anything, but like the grocery store that, you know, we're always out there. But I think the point is to be hyper vigilant, you know, to definitely be aware of your surroundings, see if someone looks unsafe or, you know, kind of question people. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's really observing your environment. I mean, we even say that, you know, if, a young female, let's say, goes out at night or whatnot to really be aware of her surroundings. So I think it's just as individuals to really know our neighbors. Maybe it's more of a chance for us to communicate more with others mm-hmm. and to really get to know everybody. And if something looks, you know, out of place, to be able to share that. I mean, how many times now with kids and the the line safe to tell that we've stopped school shootings and stuff just because kids are aware. And I don't, I think there's a difference between empowering us and being and living in fear. I think that's the difference. All right, guys, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think observation is not the same as fear and, and letting fear control you is one thing, but you can walk around and be very observant about your surroundings. And I think, I think what Lisa suggested, especially about young women, maybe who go off to college, when my daughter goes off to college in a couple of years, if she goes away, you know, we'll talk about how can you be safe and, and habits you can develop and their, their habits. It's not necessarily something you're running around going, Oh goodness, somebody's out to get me all the time. It's just a habit of, of, having safe practices and being observant about what's around you. But in the end, I think when it, when it comes to our faith in, in Christ, understanding that God is really with us, that isn't just a platitude. It's not something we just say, but it is something that we ought to cling on to and hold on to as we go through life, understanding that whatever situation we're in, and the world is definitely changing, and we're having to be observant and careful in ways that we didn't used to be. And to rely on Christ and go, you know what, I'm a child of God, and, and whatever happens is in him, his control anyways. Well, and, and I, I, when you talk about um, fear, and Moose, I'll let you go next, because you, you're back in the studio, so you know the time constraints well, but um, in terms of how much time we have left. But um, I just want to say that um, I, uh, because of my career, if you want to call it hypervigilant, I like that wording rather than paranoid. But because I worked in TV news for 20 years, and when I lived in Los Angeles, I was super cautious. I mean, my car was, uh, someone attempted to steal it three times, drilled the locks, you know, while I was in a restaurant, you know, right on the street in front of the restaurant, in my car garage, you know, and those are small things. And then I have a brother who was murdered, and I have a brother who's homeless, who once his leg was broken, they laid it across the curb and jumped on it. So I know that, like, bad things happen. Um, And so... I feel like because of the news business, um, you know, when I pull into my garage, I, I have my doors locked. Um, when I 
before I open my garage door. When I get into my car, I lock my doors. I don't walk alone at night. You know, and I know a lot of these things seem like common sense, but I know I'm a lot um, more cautious than a lot of my girlfriends are. And even, you know, with schools, I feel that security's lax. And one of the therapists, Lisa, is, uh, she said, well, I don't want to turn our, our, our schools into Fort Knox, but I feel like, you know, we still have to really be aware. Moose? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... Uh- Having been a uh, high schooler when Columbine happened and having been a huge Batman and movie uh, enthusiast when Aurora happened and, you know, knowing all this history and, you know, studying New York and then all of a sudden uh, 9-11 happened also when I was in high school, I found my, found my peers living in fear and I chose that I wouldn't live in fear and I wouldn't be scared. I would just be aware and not let um, fear rule my life. But it wasn't until yesterday when I was thinking about our Christmas plans because there's a big parade we like to go to every year and sit in the grandstands. And the first time I let fear think, uh, get into my head and my heart of, is this the best thing to do after, you know, the whole battle of some governors saying, yes, we'll take refugees and other governors saying, no, we won't. Just thinking, you know, you know, what, what's next and thinking just a little bit of fear entering my heart of, you know, what's going to protect my family and just thinking, I don't want that to rule my life, but I still want to be able to be an active participant in society. Where do I draw the line? How do I act as a father? How do I act as a, you know, a citizen and just try to keep everybody safe and myself safe? And it just boggled my mind. And I said, if it, you know, my life is in the Lord's hands. You know, I have to say something uh, before we go to break. You mentioned about um, fear just entering your mind in the governors. Yesterday when we went on the air, uh, Alabama and Michigan, the governors of those two states, had said they, that they did not want to open their borders to Syrian refugees because they didn't really believe in the vetting process, uh, that it could accurately keep us safe because a lot of these uh, passports are manufactured. They're fakes. So with that said, now over half of the state's governors are refusing to just um, openly uh, take in Syrian refugees. But the president said, uh, you know, basically, I'm not quoting him, too bad. It's not your choice. Mm-hmm. Gary. Yeah, and I think, you, right? Yeah, and I think it, it's, those are, that's a tough decision because as Christians, we want to be compassionate. You know, we want, we want to help the refugees and do what we can. And yet the governors and our leaders are charged with our safety. So that's a, that's a hard thing to deal with. You know, yeah, we're gonna, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about um, The Rock and anxiety and how it can lead to depression. It's fascinating hearing The Rock talk about um, his, um, you know, the depths of depression that he went into. So, Moose, I'll let you talk a little bit about the next segment and take us to break. Okay, well, with uh, The Rock, I mean, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he, uh, you know, we all started to know him back in the early 2000s from being in WWE and, you know, this catch line phrase. Do you know what his catch line was? Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? Exactly. And you think um, uh, that he has this big celebrity to him and he his career took off from there and, uh, you know, has been in movies and TV shows. And he uh, one of the things because I've been following on Facebook quite a bit and he is a very compassionate man. He is very loving, loves helping people change their lives around. He had a a show for a while where people wanted to change their life in one aspect or another because he's very physically fit. If you don't I mean, having the name The Rock, (laughs) you you can't be, you know, a, a tiny guy because then we'd have to call you a pebble and that's a whole different thing but you know he uh he's inspiring and um you know does many things for the community and just has a big heart for people but one of the things that's come out recently is he's been battling with depression and it started years ago and when we come back from the break we'll find out how this battle of depression 
launched his career. He uh, had an opportunity to do one thing great and it didn't happen and he could have just wallowed in that mess and he uh with a conversation with his dad decided that it's not gonna rule his life and that he will uh you know change his path in order to come out of the depression and be able to uh fight against it it's a great story and we'll um dive a little back into it when we come back uh with the second half of therapy tuesday we have uh therapist lisa and angie huddled down in their basements because they're afraid of snowpocalypse but i have pastor john Byrne here in studio and jorge and i we brave the snow and we'll be back in a few minutes with more good news This is where love lives, 810 KLVZ. Your next shopping trip could change the lives of some very special people right here in Colorado. When you shop at ARC Thrift Stores, you'll not only save money, but you'll also give back to our community by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, just like these ARC ambassadors. A lot of people, they have misconceptions about people with disabilities. A lot of them think that we can't do things that other people can do, and that's just not true. We can do what other people can do. It may take us a little bit more time to do it, but we can. We're just like any other human being. We have feelings and we have emotions, and if given the chance, we can shop. And I think that ARC has done a very good job at showing that. I like it there, and it helps me out to learn about reading off the labels and stuff. I like helping out different people, a lot of different people I help out. Find the ARC store near you at arcthrift.org. It's nonprofit, and it's a great company to work for and a great place to shop. And remember, every Saturday, you get 50% off most items in the store. Hi, it's Angie. Would you like to have a bigger business or grow your nonprofit and make more money for your charity? I would love to help you. If you like the good news, if you believe in what we do, we work with our sponsors personally. And I have friendships. I know everyone that works on the good news as an advertiser myself. And so I would love to help you build your business. And I would love to have you help support the good news if you enjoy it. And I love to work with nonprofits, as you know. So please contact me if you have questions. Angie, News at gmail.com. Again, it's News at gmail.com if you'd like to partner with the good news. Hey, it's Angie. Do you have dreams and goals that you really want to reach and you don't know how to reach them? You feel lost, like you don't have a roadmap to your dreams? Do you need like a big jolt of coffee? Well, that's Carrie Conley. She has a big event coming up and every year I go and it helps me reach my goals. Hi, Carrie. Hi, how you doing? Yes, very, very excited about the event. It's called Vision is Victory. It's the third annual. It's in January uh, 2016, the 14th through the 16th in Scottsdale, Arizona. It'll be beautiful. And I'll be there. You'll be there. Tickets are very reasonable right now. Great excuse to get away from Colorado in the cold winter months. And you really teach us um, every single step we have to take to take what we want in life and actually put it into actionable steps and reach our goals. That's right. I want people walking out knowing exactly what to do and how to get there. And in three days, we learned that. You do. I and did. And meet some really awesome people and have a lot of fun. It is a blast. And I learn so much every year that I go. All right, Carrie Conley, how do we reach you? InfiniteNation.com. InfiniteNation.com. 
Hi, it's Angie Austin with the good news. Did you know the Denver Rescue Mission needs you and your help, and they need turkeys, your turkeys. They need 15,000 turkeys to help those who are hungry and in need. They should be frozen 12 pounds or larger. You can bring the turkeys to the Lawrence Street Shelter between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. or donate online. You can donate the amount of that turkey online so the mission can buy their own. And I have to tell you, I have been there on several Thanksgivings, I believe about four years in a row. I cannot tell you how much people appreciate these meals. Almost every single person that comes through the line looks me in the eye and thanks me, even though I'm just serving them. You know, and they are so grateful to have this beautiful meal. And believe me, it is a beautiful meal. Absolutely delicious and very much appreciated by the people who maybe don't have a place to go for Thanksgiving. So again, the Denver Rescue Mission needs 15,000 turkeys. Go to denverrescuemission.org slash turkey for more info. Music, talk, and the love of Christ. 810 KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back to the good news. It's producer Moose in studio with uh, Pastor John Byrne. It's Therapy Tuesday. The ladies are hiding out at home because it is chilly and snowy. And so therapist Lisa and Angie are joining us through Skype and the phone. Hi, ladies. Hello. <laughs> well, my kids, my kids are all home too, and I actually do a, a live show four hours every morning from my home studio. But I go into to do the good news in studio at Crawford Broadcasting because I like being around people and doing the segments face to face because it's more fun. But in the morning, when I get up at three thirty, is it more fun to talk to someone face to face or not to have to get out of my pajamas? I'd rather do the morning show when I get up at 3.30 from home. So, but yeah, it works pretty well. And um, it, I got all the equipment here. So, but you know, it, I like, I like to see you guys face to face. So Pastor John Byrne falling, uh, filling in for uh, Pastor John Moreland again. And of course, therapist Lisa, as most mentioned. Okay. I want to start last segment. We talked about how to talk to your kids about Paris and terrorism in general. And we all had kind of had a different approach. Um, some a little more courageous than mine. I'm just avoiding the topic <laughs> because my kids really don't watch the news, so they're not really up on a lot of that stuff. But they will be soon because Riley is 10. But then I came across um, an interview in the last day about depression and anxiety. And Lisa, as a professional, you would know this. And the professional told me it's called the depression anxiety stairway. And you go up in anxiety, and then the down is depression. And he said, I don't think a lot of people realize that the anxiety and depression are closely linked. And then I thought about my girlfriend who's beautiful, and she sings, and, if you, and she's wealthy, and she has great clothes, and she's like, I mean, stunning. And so she mentioned on her Facebook when Robin Williams took his life that she battles with depression, and she got some pushback from the church. People from her church actually had written to her, about, you know, you're someone that's well-respected in the church, and maybe this isn't something you should come out about. And that bothered me because, you know, if you suffer from depression, it's something that you need to reach out to people about. And after Robin Williams, I think a lot of people wanted to fess up that, hey, let's put this out of the closet, that a lot of us deal with this. So I was uh, taken by this story about The Rock. Now, I interviewed him for a movie once in person, and I had to go to his hotel room. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and um, I was single at the time. And I remember thinking to myself, I think this man has more charisma in his little finger than like any other star I've ever interviewed. He knows how to play the game in terms of he's charming, he uses your name, he smiles, he's uh, smart, he's good looking, he's got that huge, you know, like he should do like toothpaste commercial for that <laughs> smile, so exactly. perfect. And I thought, oh my goodness, if I were like 20 years younger, I would marry The Rock, you know? <laughs> and so... 
fortunately for my husband, I didn't. Kidding, kidding. And I'm, I'm lucky, too, of course. I'm very lucky to have my husband. Okay, so when he came out to Oprah about his battle with depression and how he wants people to know that you're not alone, I was really struck by this. He's very articulate. He's very admired. And he has everything the world, Pastor John, would yeah. think would make you happy. So let's listen to part one of The Rock telling Oprah about his depression. I found that with depression, one of the most important things you could realize is that you're not alone. You're not the first to go through it. You're not going to be the last to go through it. And oftentimes it happens. You just, you feel like you're alone and you feel like it's only you and you're in your bubble. And, and I wish I had someone at that time who, who could just pull me aside and hey, it's going to be okay. It'll be okay. So I wish I knew that. Just got to remember, hold on to that fundamental quality of faith. Have faith that on the other side of your pain is something good. After about a month and a half of staying in that little apartment and cleaning, I got a phone call from the head coach of the team who cut me, the head coach of the Calgary Stampeders. He called me and he said, hey, I know we cut you, but I'd like you to come back. I said, okay, I appreciate that, Coach. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll think about it. And he said, okay, great. I hung up the phone, and um, my dad said, you're going to do it, right? I said, no, I don't think so. I think I'm done with that. And he goes, what? I said, my gut tells me I'm done. He said, what are you going to do? So his dad um, was not that supportive, and therapist Lisa, as you know, with these goals and dreams we have, sometimes our family members have their own idea of what success would be for us. And because, you know, The Rock had worked towards a professional football career in Canada, um, that was his dream. When he got cut, that, that depression he was in was so deep. And his father did not agree, and you'll hear in part two in a minute, his father did not agree with his decision. And so to see this man that society sees as like the ultimate in success, talking about how real that depression was, and the courage it took for him to refuse it. I mean, he took a huge risk. So before we hear from part uh, him in part two, um, uh, what do you think, um, in your professional opinion, therapist Lisa, just about that whole aspect of that isolation and people thinking they're alone in depression, and that's when they end up ending their lives? Sure, and actually that's a big thing about depression. You think you are alone and you self-isolate, right? So the fact that he's communicating that, you know, he has depression, you know, it, we get this stigma about mental illness even in this day that it's a taboo. And like you said, with your friend, we're not supposed to talk about it. But yet other people can go on and talk about their cancer or, you know, what other physical ailments they might have. And then that helps others, right, that, oh, I'm not alone. I have breast cancer or so-and-so has breast cancer, right? And, and that helps us. Well, that's the same thing with depression and anxiety or bipolar disorder, it's a chemical imbalance, and we don't choose it just like we wouldn't choose high blood pressure or, you know, cancer. It chooses us. So it's more about educating the population that, you know what, good people, smart people have depression, and then how do you overcome it? So that helps support us that, you know what, in here in an illness that I feel so isolated, I'm not because so-and-so has it too, and they're educating us about it. And that helps, goes a long way. And I want to ask you something, Pastor John, because you and I see time and time again, well, you especially because you're a pastor, people come to you all the time suffering from drug addiction, depression, bad marriages, anger, anxiety, because they don't have Jesus. And so just today, Charlie Sheen announced on, um, and he's definitely mm -hmm. not one of our listeners, so he won't <laughs> be offended. Um, Charlie Sheen uh, 
Liz, uh, was on the Today Show today talking about being diagnosed HIV positive. Now, my surprise in all of that, because there have been rumors all week that it was him, the big star who had HIV, but um, that, that's separate from where I see his life is spiraled out of control because he has everything the world would think would make you happy, money and wives and five kids with three different women and a successful father and lots of homes and travel and anything that money can buy. And we've seen over and over again him go back to drugs, and somehow in the you know four years ago he contracted HIV, and it doesn't seem like he's finding that happiness outside of. I mean, there's still accusations that he's paying people to come and do crack with him in his home. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But he has admitted that he's had substance abuse problems, so I'm not jumping to conclusions here. And even when we look at um, uh, Lamar Odom. I mean, again, another man who the world has given him everything. And recently, I mean, we don't even know if he's going to bounce back from what was done to his body with with the drugs and alcohol. Again, allegedly. I mean, come on. I mean, I can say allegedly, but we know what happened in these cases. Please, they were abusing drugs. That is my guess. And so people keep going to other things for happiness and not finding Jesus. How as a pastor do you deal with that when you think the answer is so obvious when someone comes to you with these problems and pains? Well, yeah, I think I think a couple things. In some ways, it's it is obvious, um, but in other ways, it's not. And I think that there is a sense in which depression can be caused by all kinds of different things, and sometimes it's chemical imbalance or other things that are going on. Oh, in the that's brain. true. Yeah, I guess yeah. I'm, I I would definitely want to say that if you have depression, I don't believe it's because you're weak spiritually. Right. I'm talking about addiction when people just try to find happiness through a bottle or through pills. Right. Right, and that's what happens is that I think people realize at some point, whether it's because of, of whatever the cause is, that they, they aren't happy. They're not, they don't have meaning and purpose in life, and we definitely find that in Jesus Christ. I mean, you look at the rich young ruler when he came to Jesus, and you know, he, he's, what must I do? And Jesus says, well, sell everything. Sell everything, give it to the poor, and then follow me. And, and the idea that the things of this world can bring us joy and happiness and purpose and meaning is just false, and yet repeatedly people try this over and over again. And when it fails, they often, or in the midst of it, they often run to drugs and alcohol and all those kinds of things. I just had a conversation on Sunday with a guy in our church who had been through that, who had been through the drugs and the alcohol, and the thing that has helped him overcome is both his relationship with Jesus Christ and a group of people that are surrounding him and walking with him through the difficulties of of being sober and he's been sober I don't remember how long but it's been a long time now but he continues in that but he he continually points back to his relationship with Jesus Christ and that's the relationship that gives us meaning and purpose in life and and helps us to face the the demons and trials that we face in this world well Moose you and I I just want to reiterate that we do a lot of topics involving depression and we 100% believe that if you need help, get help, and there is chemical depression. I want to make sure that I don't in some way insinuate that you're weak, you know, spiritually, and you don't believe in Jesus if you suffer from depression, because I've suffered from depression, and I'm a, um, I'm a full-on uh, lover of Jesus. So, you know, this is just something that the, the drug abuse, I think, I, I feel so sad for people that can't get out of that and spiral out of control and can't seem to find faith. So let's introduce... Um, segment two, and then Moose, I'll give you a, a chance to give your feelings on. This is The Rock talking about depression. Again, I introduced a separate topic. He's not talking about substance abuse. He's just talking about how he got out of his depression, that he um, got cut from the Canadian Football League. They called him back a month later. He was very depressed. They asked him to come back, and they were going to give him another chance, but he knew he was, like, on the bottom rung, 
and he told his dad that he wasn't going to go for it, and his dad was seriously disappointed. He thought he was making the worst decision of his life. I took a deep breath. I said, I'd like to get into the business. He said, what business? I said, the wrestling business. He said, you are throwing it all away. It is the worst mistake you will ever make. He said, you're ruining your career. I said, maybe I'll be no good. But I feel like in my heart, I have to do this. And I either need you to train me or need you to not train me. My dad rose to the occasion, said, I'll train you. And it wound up being one of the greatest chapters in my life. I think that's powerful. What do you think, Moose? Well, I think, you know, he decided to seek wisdom from his dad. And, you know, as a, as a parent, and I had this conversation with my dad, I've seen, like, you know, he probably, The Rock played football as a boy and, and through uh, school, played football and football and football and football. And then to see the um, coach give the his son another opportunity of football, the dad's like, okay, we have invested so much time, money, blood, sweat, and tears in this. And you're saying no? To be a dad, it's kind of like, you know, well, then it's all been a waste. What have we done? But then, you know, The Rock said, I want you to teach me to wrestle so I can, you know, take that discipline, take that strength that I've learned through football and channel it into something else. Because, I mean, I had the same conversation with my dad because I did so much theater and dance and acting. And then when I decided I didn't want to do that anymore, he felt heartbroken for me. I'm like, no, because I'm going to go into radio and use those same uh, – skills and personality and everything that I've learned in a different aspect. And so eventually like he understood just like I'm sure that the rock's dad understood what uh, wrestling would mean, like the strength and the stamina that he's built up to be able to now be a A-list superstar. Well, I'm just impressed that he came out to the rock to Oprah to discuss this topic that is so um, touchy depression yes. and that many people hide from and are embarrassed by, but also that he went against his dad's opinion. And uh, many times we're held back from our goals and dreams because someone in our life wants to protect us from going, you know, and pursuing our passion. And I think it was just yesterday we did a story about an attorney who had gone all the way through law school, had the job, was working as an attorney, put all that money and time into the career, and realized he hated it and he wanted to be a travel writer and he stepped away from it. When your parents have invested a lot in your education and they're telling you how disappointed you are, that's a tough call to make to step away from a career that you've worked, you know, a decade for, basically. Exactly. And just like my buddy. You know, a lot of times. Go ahead, Lisa. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know what, that's a big theme in my, um, you know, when I see clients, it's how to live your life for you and not for somebody else. And in, in turn with that, you might disappoint others. But at the end of the day, if you know what's right for you, that's what will make you happy. And like I was going to say, my friend uh, Michael Hanna, who's been on the show a couple times with us before, talking about depression and anxiety, he was in law school when he decided, you know, he's invested all this time and money and that wasn't the best fit for him. And with his mom being a retired therapist, they decided to go in together to help those people who have the depression and have the anxiety to say that it's okay and to help them through the process of getting better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just impressed with that. And I love it that we open up these topics that, Many of them, whether it be like, you know, some of the topics we talk about, people don't talk about on the radio. You know, abortion, healing, um, that Bible study, forgiven and set free. Um, you know, uh, yesterday Robbie um, was talking about the adult topic of um, pornography and marriage and how they're walking away from their, um, from their, uh, 
jobs. You know, she walked away from teaching and her husband's now walking away from his career so they can start a ministry helping marriages. I mean, these are topics that you don't really hear anywhere. And that's part of the problem because no one wants to talk about things. Um, it keeps it in the dark, makes it shameful, and you can't heal in the dark. What do you think, Pastor? Yeah, I, you know, this makes me think of, of uh, Rick Warren and, you know, they lost their son um, because of depression. Yeah. He ended up taking his own life. And, um, and, it, and it was, it was one of those things. And I, you know, I don't know the systems that he had around him and, you know, hopefully he had people around that family that, that walked through that even prior to their son's suicide, but it was an issue of depression. And when we try to walk through these things in the dark, we try to walk through them without community. It, it's, it's even harder and it's harder. I think depression causes isolation and isolation causes more isolation. And so to break that, to go, we need to have communities in our churches where we can embrace people who are struggling with mental illness, whatever it is, or other struggles and say, no, we're going to walk through this together. We're going to, we're going to make sure that you're loved, not just by, you know, God, but by the church body, by brothers and sisters in Christ. The cool thing is that as that, uh, the Warrens have now started a, um, a ministry helping churches deal with mental illness and, and hopefully churches will continue to embrace that kind of thing and, and really take that seriously. I, I remember him basically being attacked, and that really hurt me that you could attack someone whose um, child had taken their life and somehow question uh, the legitimacy of their faith because their child had um, t- chosen to take um, his life. That That must have been pain beyond pain to then have to face your critics in light of your son's suicide. And I think that's what we face in the church is a lot of times we attack people because they have struggles in life and we say we say silly things and they really are silly things like you don't have enough faith or 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 things like that and it's um it's it's patently absurd to say those kinds of things and to attack in that way um the truth is we live in a fallen world and we face all kinds of different struggles and mental illness is one of them yeah well, um, I sure do appreciate you guys coming on and joining us and discussing all these things. Uh, I want to make sure, you know, because you guys take a lot of time out of your schedule every week, and here we are in the snow, and Lisa, you still devoted time to this, and Pastor John, you drove through the snow, through the storm to get there today. And if you're in Birmingham right now, you're like, what storm? Well, we've got quite a storm. <laughs> What's this thing you a, call snow? <laughs> right. Birmingham and Portland, they're like, what? Okay, uh, so yeah, we've got plenty of it here. Uh, Pastor John, how do people find you? You can find me at gfol.org. That is the website for Grace Fellowship of Lakewood. Excellent. Therapist Lisa? At lifesupportinstitute.com. Producer Moose? Moose at crawfordbroadcasting.com. Hey, you gave it. That's great. Yay. It usually gives out my email. <laughs> hey, my website's angieaustinradio.com. We appreciate you, and uh, thanks so much for listening. I um, am going to be right back Spreading hope, joy, and goodness. 810 KLVZ, where love lives. The holidays can feel hopeless for those who are homeless and can't afford those delicious holiday meals. Because of this, the Denver Rescue Mission provides a hearty Thanksgiving meal to those who aren't lucky enough to have one. That meal includes, of course, a turkey. To provide for those in need, the Denver Rescue Mission needs your help. They're able to provide these turkeys only through your generous donations. You can bring your donation of a frozen turkey to the Lawrence Street Shelter 
or you can donate the amount of a turkey. The average turkey is between $15 and $20. By donating, you give hope to those who never thought they would be able to enjoy another Thanksgiving dinner. For more information on how you can help this holiday season, go to denverrescuemission.org. Denver Rescue Mission changes lives in the name of Christ. Do you ever feel like you're just searching for a church and you just can't find the right one? Well, I must have looked for about 10 years. I have to tell you, I've never been so excited to go to church. I feel that Pastor John Moreland, my pastor, that's you, John, um, has a real gift for teaching. And there's so much love in that church. And I've never felt more welcome. And I have to tell you, Pastor Moreland, I just, I, I love going to church now. I learn something every week and, I, and I, I just feel so blessed by you. It makes me cry. Well, I'm humbled to hear you say that. Denver Christian Bible Church is about two things. One, we want to make genuine connections with people. And two, we want to genuinely connect those people to Jesus. Thursday night, we connect. You can go to dinner. You get to know people. And then on Sundays, I just feel like it's a time of getting together and learning. And I feel I'm always hugged. I've never been hugged so many times in my life by people who are really happy to see me there. And so I feel like I'm growing, but I also feel like I have a support system at Denver Christian Bible Church. So if people would like to come, how do they reach you, Pastor Moreland? Please go to our website. You can download our sermons for free and find out where we are, denverbible.org. Hi, it's Angie Austin. Have you ever thought about mentoring someone? Well, guess what? We need you. The Denver Rescue Mission needs mentors for kids and adults. Hello, Alexa with the Denver Rescue Mission. So how can we help you? Uh, you can sign up to be a mentor for a child or an adult, um, people who are um, in one of the Denver Rescue Mission programs. Um, and you basically sign up at denverrescuemission.org. And for mentoring, there's a little bit more involved. You may have to do a background check in some of those things. But it's a, a few times a month commitment. And you can spend, you know, an hour or so with a kiddo or an adult and really pour into their lives a little bit when they've come from some some situations in their lives and just be a friend. Yeah, be a friend. And you've been mentoring someone and you find mentoring that young gal very satisfying. I do. I'm mentoring a 14-year-old girl and it's been just a blast. So I really encourage you to, you know, look into it. And give us your website again. DenverRescueMission.org. This is the place where love lives. 810 KLVZ. Welcome back to the good news. Let's talk kids and cancer. The good news is that there are major advances being made in treating aggressive pediatric cancers, yet funding is in jeopardy to support future research discoveries. And even with the advances, cancer is still the leading cause of death by disease for children. Our guest is Dr. Ann Riley. She is the medical director at the Cancer Center at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Hello, Dr. Riley. Hello, thank you for having me on the show. You are welcome. So I understand that survival rates for many childhood cancers have improved dramatically, uh, but there you know, is some bad news too. We have to keep these advances going. So let's start with why is treat- treating cancer in kids different than treating cancer in adults? You know, kids are different from adults in a lot of ways, but I think, I think kids with cancer differ in a couple of very important ways. First of all, the cancers that children get are a little bit different, and so we need to treat them differently. But most important, children are growing and developing, and we want to keep them growing and developing through their cancer treatment. Cancer treatments traditionally have a lot of bad side effects, and some mm-hmm. of those side effects can last a long time. And so we really need to think carefully about the way that we treat kids and try to prevent those long-term side effects as much as possible. You know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by what you guys do in the miracles, but I know there are some really sad cases as well. So I know that it's difficult on your heart. So I want to know, 
Um, what do you, what kinds of research is being done to develop treatments for kids whose cancer is not responding to conventional therapy? So you've kind of hit a brick wall and you're like, now what do I do with this kid? Yeah, so one of the more exciting things that we're trying to do here at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia is to create what we would call more targeted or precision treatments, treatments that are directed right at the cancer and what makes it grow. An example of this would be immunotherapy. So, you know, uh, research that was done at the University of Pennsylvania and first trialed in children here at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, uh, a type of immunotherapy that takes um, for children with a certain kind of leukemia, takes their white blood cells out of their body, trains them in the lab to fight the leukemia, give them back to the children, and see if those cells will kill the leukemia. And we've had some significant success with that kind of treatment. Now, there are some side effects when you do that, um, but we've been able to manage most of those side effects. And in the first group of children that we've treated, we've seen some surprising success. You know, it's that kind of research that I think is really going to push us forward and be able to cure some of those previously not curable cancers in children. Well, that's super exciting. So uh, let's talk about the importance of supporting funding for the research on these cancers. Yeah, you know, research is critically important. There are about 16,000 children each year in this country who develop cancer. Uh, while that sounds like a big number, it's, you know, a much smaller number than the number of adults who get cancer, and lots of the research dollars are directed towards adult cancer. And while that's understandable, I think it's really important for people to be aware that research specifically into childhood cancer is also really important, and funding that research is very important. All right, Dr. Riley, obviously you're extremely bright. I want to know, you chose this for a reason. This is a tough area to work in with kids. I want to know about your passion for working with children and finding these advancements and doing this research and trying out the new therapies. Obviously exciting, but you must have a real passion behind behind choosing this particular um, uh, area of expertise. I mean, it's such a privilege to be able to work with children. And when you think about the whole life that a child has ahead of them, how much impact you can have by fixing their cancer and by minimizing side effects and helping them to grow up whole and healthy and normal, I mean, that's really the goal here at CHOP. And that's what we're trying to do, direct all of our research to be able to achieve. And not just good at working with the kids, but then also, you know, giving that support um, to the parents as well and being an advocate for them, too. Well, you know, here at CHOP, we like to think that we're really treating the whole family because, first of all, parents are the experts in their children, not us. And, uh, you know, the impact that a child's cancer has on the whole family is palpable. I mean, all of our psychologists and social workers, our psychosocial staff here really works to help get the whole family through the treatment, you know, Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters and other members of the family help the parents deal with the child and help support a child through this difficult treatment. It really, we try very hard to have a family-centered approach that really helps, you know, in the end, a healthy family and a healthy child. That's our goal. Well, you're a real blessing to a lot of families, I'm sure. I want to make sure that we can get more information if we want to learn more about the funding and the research and everything that you all are doing. Sure. We would love to have people check out our website at cancer.chop.edu. There's lots of information there about the kinds of cancer that children get, um, some of the research treatments and other treatments that we're doing here at CHOP. Uh, and, you know, if people are so minded, ways that they could help out and donate. I mean, you know, helping research and helping move research forward is really how we're going to be able to cure everybody in the end. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Riley. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.